Welcome into the WCIA 3-in-1 podcast. WCIA Sports Director Brett Barron's here, and we are getting set for another season of weekly podcasts with Illinois football returning. That'll roll right into basketball season. And it's been a fun journey so far, recapping games, going over what we see from games. And it's also been a fun summer just kind of doing a couple of podcasts here and there with some people. I hope you got to tune in to Michael Finke earlier this year. And we've had some other guests as well as we try and continue to develop this pod. And uh, it's been a fun experience to do something different, to try something new. We appreciate you uh, listening in and tuning in as well as we have gone through this. Our first priority is what we do on air. Second priority is on our website. And this has been a nice journey and a nice avenue and platform to kind of do something a little bit different. And that's why I wanted to post our full conversation with Illinois football coach Brett Bielema on the pod today. It's on our website as well in a video form, but not everybody has easy access to that in the car necessarily. And so that's where podcasts are great. And this is my full conversation with Bielema about a whole variety of topics. And I went into it trying to do something a little bit different. Yes, we go over some serious topics. I wanted to hear about his philosophy on a lot of different things because so often we don't get those kind of comments during a press conference. And that's the majority of the time where our viewers and where you hear and see Brett Bielema is in a press conference setting. And so I wanted to do something just different than that. I wanted to give Bielema an opportunity to show a little bit of personality. Well, he does that fairly well overall, but to get some rapid-fire questions, which are coming up at the end of our near-20-minute conversation with Bielema, I enjoy those types of things because it makes him human. Brett Bielema is a human, and he is a person just like the rest of us. Yes, he's in the public eye. He has a lot of uh, responsibility. He makes a lot of money, but all of those things combine into... He, he likes coffee, just like me and you. He's on Twitter. I wanted to ask him about all of those things. I wanted to ask him what his top vacation destination is. Just things that we don't normally ask in a press conference because we don't have the time. He's very limited on his time. He's a very busy man, and rightfully so. Uh, you know, He doesn't want to necessarily probably be asked at this stuff all the time, nor would it necessarily be appropriate because there's a lot more pressing issues. And that's where an avenue like this I thought would play really, really well into having a open conversation, a longer-term conversation. And yes, we talk about the season and expectations for his team this year, what's, what he wants to see out of his club in year two, making a jump. He made a really big jump from year one to year two at Arkansas. So I asked him about that and what he remembers about making that jump and maybe some keys and if that translates to a rebuild, because this is the second time he's trying to rebuild a program here at Illinois, heading in after a 5-7 and seven year one, missing out in a bowl game. But I also wanted to ask about the offensive coordinator. Made a switch, fired Tony Peterson after one season. What's he hoping to see out of Barry Lunny? What will fans get a different look this season on the field? All of those things, getting the ball to his playmakers more. Yes, those things are important. New specialists, how important that is. Has he evolved in his decision-making in games in terms of being more aggressive? Remember last year when uh, the Maryland game and Purdue game, he caught a lot of flack from people for not being as aggressive as a lot of Illini fans would have wanted. And so we discussed that a little bit and how his philosophy philosophy has maybe changed in all of that. 
So some interesting conversation and, and nuggets and, like I said, things that maybe don't fit uh, or play as well into a normal press conference. And then there was the fun stuff, and that's what I really enjoy. Allowing Brett Bielema to show a little bit of personality, allowing him to, uh, you know, maybe put his guard down a little bit. That was my hope. You know, how does he celebrate after a win? Does he celebrate recruiting wins? He can't talk about that in the public uh, necessarily how he celebrates that uh, when they happen. Now, he could do that later on after they commit, but he can't comment uh, until a guy signs. And so how does he celebrate those, you know? Uh, all those different types of things that I find fun and make him more of a human and less of like a press conference robot. That was my goal in all of this. So I hope you enjoy it. Here's my near 20-minute conversation with Illinois football coach Brett Bielema as the team gets set to host Wyoming in the Week 0 season opener just 10 days away from now. On I'm recording here August 17th. Hope you enjoy it. And uh, it's going to be a fun season. Can't wait to dive back in. This will be another year on the podcast. You can also uh, watch and listen to the Your Line Nation kickoff show. That is going to air August 24th on WCIA at 6.30. We'll also post it online. And we're really excited to have the Your Line Nation pregame show. Jeremy Warner from Alana Inquirer teaming up with us once again this season. This will be year four of the Your Line Nation pregame show. We will be live on our digital streams. You can do it directly off of Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, as well as the WCIA3 website, WCIA.com. But we will be live streaming before every single football game this year, going to target about an hour and a half before the game, live on location. We will be bringing you the latest updates on the Illini before they play, and that starts next Saturday, August 27th. We will be on the air about 1.30, getting you set for the season opener every single game this year. Home and away, Jeremy will join either me, Andy, or Bryce on the WCIA 3, your Illini Nation pregame show. We will also have postgame coverage as well, streaming Brett Bielema's postgame press conference once again this season. It's been a lot of fun to bring you all that content on our digital pages. All right, without delay, here is Brett Bielema and my conversation with him at the WCIA 3 Studios this week. Coach Brett Bielema joining us now in studio for the Your Line Nation kickoff show. Brett, we're going to talk some about this season, but let's start out with something fun. What does game day look like for you from when you wake up? Do you have traditions? What kind of things go into that kickoff for you? It, well, it depends on game time, right? Uh, I think everybody, it, and I know the fans don't love them, but I think if you ask players and coaches, they love the 11 o'clock kickoff, right? Because you just, you get up, you get rolling. Um, our standard operation is we usually have our pregame meal four hours from, from game time. So if it's 11 o'clock, obviously we're at 7. If it's a 2 o'clock, we're obviously at 10. So it's really kind of built around that. If it's a later than 3 o'clock kickoff, we usually try to get some type of exercise, some type of uh, walkthrough or something with our players in the morning. Uh, the night games, there's a lot of hurry up and wait. Uh, so <laughs> as a head coach, you kind of just play off that. Do you do anything specifically like when you do you have any traditions you do for game day? Or Not really. Um, you know, we stay in a hotel home and away. So we try to make our home games very similar to our away games. Um, uh, if it is a night game, I might have uh, Jen and the girls might swing by or something. But I usually just kind of just rehearse the game. A lot of times I'll put clips of a game that that aren't related to one another to make a new game. Right. So that's a game that you've never seen before and kind of test your calls, test your uh, your moments of uh, uh, football situations and all those things and 
uh, coordinators. The last meeting I have on Friday night is with my offensive, defense, special teams coordinator, and we kind of go through the game. How do you celebrate after a win? I know you're always on to the next yeah. one, but you, you, get, you do something after wins? I, I do. I never really try to watch film on the day of the game. Um, I always try to kind of uh, put that behind us and, and you know, win or lose. Um, I, I learned it early on in my career to celebrate every win as much as you possibly can. Uh, now with the girls, um, one of my most enjoyable things, honestly, is to leave the stadium. Uh, last year after Nebraska, I remember having that feeling, just leaving the stadium and seeing so many people I have a, a, uh, my windows kind of have a darker tint so they necessarily don't see me and I'd like to kind of just drive through uh, tailgating areas and see the people engage, having fun, seeing with their families and, and realize that it's more than just a football game, it's an event and I think that kind of makes it full circle. What was that favorite moment from last year? You know, the Nebraska game was very special. I didn't, I didn't know it going into it, right? But to play that week zero game and have all the eyes on us and to play yeah. a Big Ten West opponent uh, for us to win, uh, in the way that we did, I think it was pretty special. And to be quite honest, on the flip side, to end the year uh, with a win against Northwestern, they hadn't, we hadn't beat them in six years, you know, to, to have those two bookends on the season. Um, didn't really know that there'd be a chance to go to a bowl game, uh, but uh, we know we fell a game short, and, and I think that pit um, really has propelled us, hopefully, to higher heights now. Are you a Twitter junkie? You're all over social media. Yeah. Are you like the rest of us? Are you on social media all the time? Or as no, much as I, I, if I have a free moment, right, like if there's something that I'm waiting for or, or you know, some opportunity to, you know, grab 10 minutes, I'll try to do it because I, I do know the power that it has in recruiting, um, especially with, uh, and then also to be quite honest, with our current roster, I've literally had kids say to me, Coach, you didn't retweet mine, right? Or you didn't. I'm like, <laughs> my goodness. I, my daughters aren't even close to social media world, really? but I can't imagine when they're there. Um, so really anything that I drive uh, in social media and I'm only, I've never spent one minute in my entire 52 years on this earth on Facebook or any other platform. Like I just, they don't exist to me. Uh, so the only one is, is Twitter. My wife, I think she has Instagram, but I don't even know what that means. You so. got to keep up with the kids, Brett. Yeah, get yeah Instagram. I, I do. Twitter, that's about it. <laughs> How big is that though for you? It's huge. Um, we use it in every capacity that we can and really, um, as of recently, the last year, the uh, NCA has really opened up some new opportunities for us to engage social media like never been before. Um, whether it be personalized messaging, um, just greetings to a player. Like I sat down and, and sent all of our committed players, all of our top prospects. I sat down and did a personalized video that we'll send out to them before their opening kickoff, right? So uh, it's really anything and everything we can do to gain a recruiting advantage. Yeah, certainly the, the kids, the high school seniors, the juniors, crazy. They're, they're all over it all the time. I noticed you got a notebook yeah. all the time with you. What do you write in that? Um, it's really uh, um, something that started uh, probably about 12, 15 years ago. Um, I had always carried the same big notebook, but I got this little uh, um, uh, trifold and, and there's just always things that come up. I'm not a big, uh, I'm not a great typer, um, so I'm not a computer laptop guy. All my staff notes are usually handwritten, and I make it. Uh, there's also a daily journal in there that I, I write every day what I do uh, on that day before it and after it, and then also kind of forecast uh, for the week. So, yeah, a lot of little handwritten details, and then there's a notebook in there that's just blank paper that I just constantly write down different thoughts, ideas, um, plays. Like honestly, things sure. that come to me ideas or concepts at, at weird moments, and I'll always have that ability to write it down. I noticed you had different Sharpies too, the, the yeah. orange and blue. How do you differentiate what gets yeah. into different colors? It, you know, so for, for me, anything that I'm making notes pre-practice is usually always a blue, uh, and then anything that's happening while we're at practice is usually in red. Um, yeah. 
uh, or orange if I, if I had the orange one available. <laughs> there you go. What's the origin story or the beginnings of Tough Smart Dependable? Did you have that before you came here or was that something you started here? No, it was uh, it, it predates all the way back to when I was a player. Uh, I remember we always talked about the, uh, the toughness element, mental and physical. Um, and then really as the game evolved as a coach, you realize the smart, the football IQ intelligence, really uh, I began to see that as a coordinator. Um, and then um, really the evolution to the, to the Patriots is when I put the dependable tag on it. Um, and and uh, I, I really think that's gotta be really something that we not only use with our players, but also in our, our recruiting and uh, our development and um, our evaluations and our coaches. It's just something that I believe if we have a chance to be the toughest, smartest, most dependable team in the stadium on a Saturday, we got a chance. You went three and nine your first season at Arkansas. You turned it around the next year, seven and six. I know every season is different, Brett, yeah. but what parallels, if, if any, can you take from just making that jump from one to two years? Yeah, um, I think the, the big one for me is just the little indicators that you see every day in your building. And sometimes the only person that sees them is a head coach, right? Like uh, we had an end of game situation the other day where one of the most important elements is to give the ball to the official, right, and, and hand it to him. But you see a lot of players throw it. And sometimes these umpires are former players, linemen like me, that they're just not built to catch a lot of footballs, <laughs> right? And all of a sudden the ball's on the ground, you're wasting seconds. Uh, so there's little moments um, uh, that, you know, Tommy DeVito the other day, we were running an end of half uh, scenario and he ran and handed the ball to the umpire, but he was backing away because he thought he was going to throw it. And Tommy has learned, right, through the process that we've taught him to, hand the ball to the official. And those are just little moments that in the end can be huge uh, moments in the, in the reality of a game. You said you wanted to be a developmental program. That takes time. Yeah. How difficult is it for you to be patient? And how much is depth a concern this season as you continue to build that? Yeah, I, I think twofold. Uh, there's different types of things you can be, um, you know, uh, a little bit more lenient on how fast you need it done, right? But uh, there's certain elements that need to be done today. And I think as a head coach, I got to learn and, and kind of guide those things through my coaches. And then also players are different. You know, certain players can handle a, a mental load or a workload that other players can't. And, and you have to identify that as coaches. So that's my, my challenge really with our coaches is don't overload the ones that, that can't be overloaded and try to load up the ones that can and, and try to find out the difference in those guys. And, you know, together to make that a, a winning football team is, is a little bit difficult. And you're doing this for the first time, developing a program with a transfer portal. Yeah. What's the secret sauce? What's the recipe for finding the right transfer players? You know, it, 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 there, is a, there is an element to it that we were really, really guided in. For instance, um, even though Isaiah Adams and Isaiah Chrysler, who will both probably start for us uh, at guard this fall, they both came to us from a junior college. They were full qualifiers out of high school. So sometimes uh, junior colleges are for players that, that maybe can't get the academics in order, but both these kids are highly intelligent, really, really good football IQ, really, really good people. They were just, Zai comes from a program that is the highest, highest, the lowest um, uh, population of high school football team in the state of Mississippi, right? He's got the smallest school in the state of Mississippi that plays football. Um, Isaiah comes to us through Canada, right? He, even though he was a Garden City, he's a player from Canada, right, right by where Sid and Chase are from. So he was kind of Juco because of an under recruitment. So. The key is to find the special ones that fit our bracket, that fit our terminology, and to fit our, our place cards, and then uh, hopefully find out if they're good players on top of it. How do you describe your coaching style? If I had to put it on a postcard or a note, what, what would it be? Well, hopefully it's consistent. Um, one thing I try to say to our players, one of the greatest things you can bring to an organization is consistency. And I do try to, I think in, in my years uh, of, as a head coach, I, I think early on in my career, I was a little bit more volatile, a little bit more up and down, probably a little bit more 
uh, unpredictable. I think our, our, our coaches, our staff, our players, uh, I try to present the same person every day, and, and hopefully they can carry that lead as well. I think as coaches, if we know what we have, we can coach around it. Uh, it's the things that are up and down and a little bit all over the place that are hard to deal with. We've heard you talk a lot about situational football. It's kind of your MO, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's what you do. Has your philosophy changed, though, in that at all? Are you more aggressive as the college football game evolves, or are you looking at, hey, this is who I am? You know, right, it's, it's, it's really about the player, right? Like, uh, you know, I know everybody wanted to have a hot topic about fourth downs last year. Well, I, I know in particular um, two games, our ability to call something on fourth down was greatly affected by the ability of what players we had available. So there was one game where I know Chase Brown was down, Josh McCray was down, and our third string running back was down. So the player that was going to run a specific play had never practiced it the entire week, right? So a lot of times what, what, what doesn't get said is the things that we know as coaches that can't be said, and that greatly affects your ability to, um, you know, um, handle a situation as it goes. But I think situational football wins close games for sure, right? And uh, a year ago, we, you know, were involved in my opinion, ten games that could, you know, could have gone either way. Um, a Northwestern game at the end got out a little bit out of out, out of control in favor of us, but I would say a lot of those games got down to who handled situational football the best. Yeah, and are you evolving in that? Do you do you look back at those films, for instance, like the fourth oh, downs, like you mentioned? Yeah. Would you have changed anything the way you did those last year? Um, well, you're gonna always retrospect and and you know, you know think about what you can. Um, I've, I've more tried to focus on how we can change the situation. Like I know why I made certain decisions. So we obviously need to build depth. We need to build confidence. Um, I think the, the fact that you um, have to be uh, human enough to know uh, when a situation arise, the decisions you made and what the possible results came. But on the flip side of it, you always know every decision that we've made is always to win this football game, right? It's never to try and stay close or look good or anything like that. We're trying to win football games, and I think everybody in our building knows that. Yeah, and situational football so often means you have to have strong special teams play. You get a whole new specialist group this year. How have you tried to push those guys or develop those guys into the pressure moments that so often are we, win or lose situations? Bro? We've really stressed our guys going back to last spring, and then uh, honestly, our, our last scrimmage on Monday, I thought Caleb uh, Griffin as a kicker and, and Hugh as a punter handled that moment as good as any time they have so far since I've been here. So really excited where they're at. Um, we still have a little bit of competition going on at the snapping position, but uh, overall, I think not only the guys involved in the battle, the specialists that are competing, but also our team realizes exactly what you said. Like we've had so many uh, years that we've really been, they've counted on James and, and, and Blake. Those guys obviously aren't here. They're not going to punt one more ball or right. kick one more ball. Ethan DeBell's not going to step one more football. So. It's new guy up, and they've been really responding very well. And like you said, win or lose, those would be the difference right there. You make the decision to move on from Tony Peterson after just one year. What does Barry Lunny bring to the table that you're excited about that fans will see? In just you know, Barry is a football coach by, by nature. He grew up in a house where his dad is already a Hall of Fame coach in the state of Arkansas, one of the best that's ever been in the state of Arkansas, and that's who he listened to every day. He played for his dad. He coached for his dad. When I hired him, he was the offensive coordinator to his dad. Um, so I know he's grown up with a great foundation. Um, Barry really uh, gets it. I think a lot of people, when they come in the building, they're like, I can tell he was a high school coach because of the way he teaches, the way he simplifies it. He allows our players, I think, to think less and act fast. Um, I think that anytime we can slow the game down for them, which allows them to speed the game up physically, that's a positive. So I, I really like his demeanor. He's got a great sense of humor. He's a great fit to our room. Uh, the players have really bonded with him very, very well. Him and Ryan Walters have become close. Um, uh, as well uh, away from the game. So I think that common 
denominator uh, really has helped our football team overall. And how much is it just getting the ball into your playmaker's hands? Well, that and, and, and uh, you know, the thing that I think Barry does, um, he does a really good job of distributing the football. I, I just showed a clip uh, today where I believe we had 14 different guys catch catch a pass in one half of a scrimmage, right? And, I mean, uh, when that many players are touching the ball on different varieties, that, that, that usually is a very difficult thing to defend. Yeah. I asked you how you celebrate wins. How do you celebrate recruiting wins? Do you do that? Do you allow yourself oh, to yeah. do yeah. that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely those moments. I mean, especially when it's a recruit that you've been developing sure. for a long time. Um, you can usually tell when it's coming your way, but there's some where you get surprised, right? And uh, every story is a little bit different. Um, I could write a book on all the different ways that, you know, I've been informed that a kid's made a decision. Um, sometimes they'll want to tell you individually and not tell anybody else for two days or whatever it is. So uh, I think when you know that you've added a player of significant value into your program uh, that you've wanted and you fit, like it's it's a very special moment between you and him, uh, to be quite honest. Um, uh, I've, I've made reference to guys that are on senior day going through their last game and I've talked about, hey, do you remember when, right? And you talk about that day when either you offered him or the day he said yes. And um, we make it a really big deal because I think it matters. Is it hard to keep a secret sometimes? Uh, I can keep a good secret. <laughs> uh, not for me, but I, I would think, you know, sometimes people find out indirectly uh, just because somebody tells somebody and, right, yeah. and the wrong person tells somebody. Yeah, then social media gets a hold of it and, and it blows up. All right, let's just have a couple quick hitters. Yeah. What's playing in the car on the way to work or on the way in? Uh, you know what? I kind of go back and forth. I do like talk radio, right? And, and not usually local. I'm oh, sorry, uh, but I usually go we get it. Uh, national. Uh, anything college football, I usually have that turned in. Okay. What's your favorite genre of music then? Uh, I, I probably go back and forth between reggae country. Um, I do like listening to Top 40 just because it's it's what our players listen to, and I think anything I can stay involved with them, it works. Do you like what they listen to? Yeah. I do. I'm not okay. much into some of the hardcore. Right? <laughs> and, uh, definitely not a techno guy, but uh, I try to listen to what they do. Oh, uh, you got a favorite movie? Uh, probably all-time uh, Midnight Run, Robert De Niro. Nice. There you go. You're moving into your new house. What's the best part of the new house, Brett? Um, you know, w w my wife has built an incredible house. Um, I, I really don't have a lot of say in what goes on uh, with the development, but uh, there were three key rooms. I, I love to cook, as you can tell. Um, so I love to cook for my girls. I love to cook for my wife. So the kitchen is pretty top-notch. Nice. Um, and then uh, uh, the we outside of our pool, have like a desk set up, a, a study area for me that I'm going to use in recruiting. Today's world, you're allowed to bring recruits to your house and, and the ability to have that. And it's a study that has, uh, we mentioned earlier, uh, my Lombardi trophy that we won from the Super Bowl, my Super Bowl ring. Um, and then the other one is downstairs. There's kind of a rec area that we'll use in recruiting that has uh, everything from a, food, uh, you know, a shuffleboard to a, a theater room to different things that I think will help us in recruiting. So what's the go-to dish then? What are you cooking up for the girls? You know what? Uh, well, for the girls, they're, they're big uh, French toast uh, and nice. some bacon. They're, they're carnivores as well. So, um, <laughs> uh, that's their dish. Uh, my wife and I probably just go with a, uh, a simple, some, she loves, my wife loves salmon, so if I grill her salmon, uh, she's pretty happy. Nice. There you go. And grilling it too. You smoke it or you Yeah, no, it? just trail grill okay. or, or fry right. it. There, there you go. How, uh, how long would I have to go into your house before I see the trophy? You know, the long well, it's in the back, so yeah, it's kind of, it's okay. kind of, you, you got to know where you're going. You got to, you got to <laughs> have an understanding of where you're at. But um, I've actually, during certain times of the year, I'll bring it into football as well, um, nice. as well as my Super Bowl ring, because those are very good items in the recruiting process. Do you ever wear it on a recruiting trip? Oh yeah, I definitely nice. bring it okay, in. Okay, there you go. Usually on Saturday nights for recruiting trips, because uh, kids, when they see it, they're just blown away. Well, yeah, absolutely. It's uh, not everyone has one of those walking no. around, Brett. Uh, what's the? I got I got three kids. They melt your heart, right? Things they do. What's one thing or a couple things your daughters do that you're just like I, I can't. Yeah, you I, know. I can't um, say no to that. 
It, uh, my my uh, oldest, um, she loves to take orders. So if we're starting to cook meal or do anything, she'll come and take your order, and then she'll say, "I usually have to check with the chef, right?" And she cracks <laughs> me up. Um, but really, anything that they do, they copy. They love to have talent shows, so they'll get their guitars out, and, and um, it's usually "Let It Go," "Frozen," uh, Elsa. But uh, any song that they sing, it's pretty pretty special. Big Frozen guy, you like it? I, I'm not. You know the words? I'm a big fan, but uh, they okay. love it, and that's what. Song. <laughs> I won't ask you to sing the words. No, right? I know all the words too. You know, it's just part of part of having kids in that sense. Uh, all right, truck or sports car? What are you what are you going with? Uh, I'd probably go with a Jeep. Um, oh, kind of nice. a little bit of hybrid. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Jacked up. Uh, all right, top vacation destination. Anything in the Car Caribbean. I get my wife and I both. Anything gets in the Caribbean, we're good to go. All right. How do you order your coffee? Uh, I'm actually just uh, Americano, black, no, no nothing. Nice. You a big coffee guy? I do drink a lot of coffee. All right. What about during the day? I, I'm, I have a diet Coke problem. Do you have no, a, uh, mine's just coffee. Just coffee? Coffee, pretty much. I, I'll, okay. I'll occasionally sneak in a Diet Pepsi, but uh, uh, black, black Americano. There you go. Good. All right, we've heard you joke a lot about your tattoo, Brett. I've, I've heard you say it before. Yeah. It's ironic, right? It's funny how the world works. You went to Iowa. That's fine. You got an Iowa tattoo. Yeah. You ever think about getting an Illinois tattoo? Well, oh. so uh, truth, truth serum here, um, one of my players this summer uh, saw my calf, and, and it was a new player, and he had saw the Tiger Hawk, obviously. He yeah. goes, oh, cool, coach, that's cool that you put an eye over it. Um, and... and uh, Made it an Illinois tattoo, <laughs> and I didn't have the heart to tell him that that was actually an eye from when I had it done uh, back at Iowa. But it has allowed me to think about, hey, maybe I just threw that eye on. There. Get another one on that. What's the backstory? Was it you and a couple buddies? Yeah, in college? college roommates, five of us uh, on a Saturday afternoon in spring after our first Rose Bowl. Um, okay. Uh, made a decision to go there, and then uh, it, it actually says believe, achieve, because uh, I, I have a saying that uh, meant a lot to me. What you conceive in your mind and believe in your heart, you will achieve, and so that's kind of a. Uh, symbol of that. Nobody's blaming you for an Iowa tattoo, Brett, but I know Alina Nation would probably like to see it, you know, on the on your other calf and a big eye. Absolutely. Because, uh, we, you know. we can make some rain. <laughs> All right. Last question here for you. What will define success for you this season? You know, I think uh, I say this all the time to our players, right? Like as a head coach, I've always got something on a vision down the line, uh, you know, ahead of where we're going. But if we can improve daily, right, if we can get better during the course of the week to get ready for Saturday, uh, if we're in if we're better in game six than we were in game five, um, that defines success because it allows you to move forward. Um, and, and I think our guys really, for the first time, they really truly understand what I'm talking about uh, and mean it and understand it and process it, and that's when it's special. Thanks, Brett. Thank you.